I'm back. Welcome to Atypical Parenting, the podcast for people who love someone with autism. I don't know if you noticed, but I took a few weeks off to regroup. I would love to come back and tell you that I went on an amazing adventure or had a great vacation somewhere, but simply I just stopped and I tried to breathe for a bit because sometimes that's exactly what we need. I hope you're having an amazing summer. Even if, like me, if you simply found a few days or hours or maybe even moments in these hectic lives that we live to just breathe and take care of yourself, then I think you're doing it right. So today, we're going to be talking about masking, which is a topic that I personally have kind of struggled with to fully understand. And I think inherently at a basic level, masking is part of being human, right? We've all had to mask at one time or another. So in my ignorance, I really thought, well, Masking just means healthy adaptation, right? Well, yes, it does to some degree, but no, because like everything else autism related, it's more complicated than that. So in an attempt to remedy my ignorance, I spoke with Rich Stevens, who is a late identified autistic guy, and he's also the father of an autistic son. He hosts two podcasts, Inside the Orange, which explores the inner thoughts and feelings of autistic people, and also a new project, Advocate to Autistic, which is his newest venture that he uses as an advocacy tool. Talking with him in this interview about masking, it gave me one of those aha moments, you know, like when that light bulb finally clicks on and you finally understand that thing that has been roaming around in there a little bit. He really helped me to understand masking from the perspective of an autistic person. Now, the term masking has been around forever, and it refers to the propensity people feel to hide their emotions or personality traits in specific situations. And like I said, every one of us, we all do this to some extent. When I think about myself, changing how I express myself from situation to situation is a way that I mask, right? When you alter communication patterns or you change your body language or your tone of voice, that's masking. You know, I grew up a certain way. If you've listened to previous episodes, you know what that is that I'm talking about. So I honestly have two different speech patterns. One is kind of casual and includes the occasional four-letter word, and one generally doesn't. You know, my natural voice is very soft, and maybe I might even mumble sometimes if I'm with people that know me. But in professional settings, I do my best to speak with confidence to use professional language and vocabulary. I think most of us, we dress differently when we go to places like church or maybe court. Rather than wearing whatever type of clothes you're most comfortable in, you're gonna dress up a bit, right? You wanna put your best foot forward. That's masking. It's modifying our natural inclinations to match the social situation that we're in. And I know that we generally don't think about those situations in this way, But masking really requires a person to hide their authentic self in some way as a means of gaining social acceptance or favor. If you're a person who loves to dress casually in jeans and a sweatshirt, maybe, no matter how authentic you try to be in your life, you're not going to show up to a job interview that way. You're going to put yourself together, even though you might be uncomfortable. And while masking is common for most humans, it occurs in like everyday situations like I talked about. For a person with autism who is neurodiverse, there are a lot of things about themselves, the way that they process information, 
or speak or move or behave or feel their feelings so strongly or are sensitive to sensory situations. The list goes on. Those things might lead to even more pressure to conform to the demands of a neurotypical society. So what does that mean in practical terms? Well, one common example for autistic people specifically is stimming. An autistic person may need physical stimulation or stimming, which is usually some sort of repetitive movement to help regulate their emotions and their nervous system. And now if we're being honest, us people who supposedly are autistic advocates, right? We love someone who is diagnosed with autism and we are doing our best to help them have the best life that they can. Even us, when we see someone stimming in public, maybe flapping their hands or hopping, we are gonna just have a natural inclination to look at that person because it's not neurotypical behavior. It's not the societal norm, right? We're not used to people moving like that. And for people who are not in our circle, there probably is gonna be some kind of judgment that goes along with the watching. For an autistic person who uses movement to regulate their emotions, imagine how much energy it requires to try to control stimming, especially in public when they're already likely to be overwhelmed anyway. The costs of camouflaging your true personality or emotions or physical self every single time you step out your door, every time you're in public or you interact with people, that stress and effort is going to add up exponentially. It's stressful and it can cause people to experience a sense of loss or anxiety or depression. And I believe the most detrimental piece in all of this is that it's also tied so closely to shame. Imagine if you felt like you weren't good enough every single day simply because of the way you were born, the way your nervous system functions, simply because you just don't naturally conform to societal norms. Trying to hide essential parts of yourself all the time and knowing that other people are probably going to judge or maybe even mock you if you let your authentic self be seen. It's no wonder that so many autistic people isolate. You have to think of the heavy burden this kind of existence puts on autistic people. And honestly, understanding it in these terms, it helped me to finally understand why this topic is so important to the autistic community. Understanding it is the first piece, of course, right? Understanding it at this level is the only place we can start from. You have to get to this place. But after that, what do you do? We have to do our part to work towards a society in which everyone feels safe being who they are. We need to celebrate neurodiversity and atypical personality traits. We need to go out of our way, honestly, to accept people whose social behaviors might strike you as unusual. Because while each person's mask might be unique, the desire to live authentically is pretty universal. The desire to be free from judgment of other people, we all want that. So I hope that's helpful as a precursor to this wonderful interview I had with Rich. I think you're gonna agree that Rich has some really important thoughts and ideas to share.
thank you, Don, for having me. I'm, I'm really pleased to come and talk to you and your listeners. It sounds like it's been quite a journey for you. Yeah, I think it has. I mean, I'm sitting here today. I'm 38 years old. Autism has been in my life for 38 years because, as you rightly said, I've actually found out I have autism. Um, but my autism diagnosis comes from my son's diagnosis 13 years ago. And it is quite a story, quite a journey. But yeah, it's, it, it's brought me to where we are today. So yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about it. Excellent. So, you know, the question that I have about sort of when I think about a situation like yours, the question that comes to me is, you know, people talk a lot about like growing up, I didn't know I had autism. And so there were no accommodations, nobody understood I was whatever, you know, but I do have to wonder if there were any benefits. Do you know what, Dawn, that's a fantastic question. And it, it really is because I can answer the question by saying it's something I think about because my son has gone through life labelled. I went through life without a label. And again, I'm going to be very careful and very, I don't want people to feel that it's any language I use is, is for the wrong terminology, but it's just to how I kind of understand it. Yes, I think where we've had things in place for my son, he has had it easier. So there's been an easier thing of actually the awareness of knowing what's going on. I think for me personally, I had a very loving childhood, very, you know, family orientated, everything like that. But I think I struggled more because my mask went on at probably age five and didn't come off until age 35. So that mask, wearing that mask for 30 years, um, and again, unfortunately, it's similar to a lot of people who are adult uh, diagnosed autistics. Um, I've been diagnosed depressed, which could be shut down. But at the time, without the kind of background of other things, not knowing it is a depression symptom because one day that mask just stopped wanting to be put on anymore. So I think it's, you know, again, in the term of labeling, it's, it's difficult. My son's obviously had the support in place. But then, yes, he's always been an autistic person. I've been an autistic person who doesn't know I'm an autistic person until later in life. So I think, as I say, I, I think both story and what my story comes from is, is exactly that. You know, I've got two very, very different opinions. As I've said to you, I started understanding autism 13 years ago. And I, that's that's how I look at it, because that's when my son was diagnosed. And it's only retrospectively did I then look back at myself and think, oh, hang on a minute. This is different. Tell me about this whole idea of masking, because I think, you know, we hear that term a lot, but I don't think most neurotypical people fully understand it. Can you explain it to me a little bit? Yeah. So, again, this is something that it's interesting. Again, looking at my son now, I can see when he masks. I can see when he goes into school, he's, he, he goes into school and he's he's happy to go in. And I know that he'll conform. He's very comfortable at school. He enjoys school, but he'll go to school. That version of him at school is him. When he comes home, that's not him. For me, for masking, I can tell you now that I went into school at probably eight, nine, and my interests were probably much younger. But I couldn't go in there and tell him I liked certain things on children's television. I still liked some of the early children's TV shows. You don't go in and tell people at nine, ten that because you'll stand out. You'll be different. See, you keep that bit in. And then as you get older, different bits and pieces. I always say um, my clothing, I can't wear shirt buttons. I can't see a loose shirt button. I can't do anything like that. But I had to wear a shirt for school. So when all the kids were taking their shirts, their ties off at school, when it was getting hot, they're rich, take you. No, no, I can't. I have to keep my shirt. Why is that? Oh, I just, I don't like my neck over. You know, all these different reasons. Not saying, do you know what? Actually, I can't stand looking at your shirt button being open. Because for me, that's 
that's strange. That's weird. That doesn't make sense. What do you mean a shirt button? So you just, you, you kind of mask because you you don't want these conversations. As a child, you do it and you just don't want to stand out. As an adult, you do it probably for those same reasons. I'm going to look a bit strange. But again, that's for me now. I've got to a point where I think, well, do you know what? I'm 38 years old. Mask coming off. I'm going to be honest because actually that's how we help people understand the other person in front of us, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. So it sounds like you spent a lot of your life just kind of hiding pieces of yourself. Yeah, I did an episode of my first podcast, Inside the Orange, and it was an episode called Rocket Man and Me. And it was about the Elton John biopic, Rocket Man, Terry Negative, a couple of, few, couple of years back. And there was a line in that that said, people don't pay to see Reginald Dwight, they pay to see Elton John. And that was what I put in my own mind and I had many a kind of conversation my wife saying you don't understand I can't be me I've got to be me but the why I liken it to that is because the persona became more and more extroverted I'm quite an introverted person at home I'm very extroverted outside and it was kind of like if I could make people laugh if I could make people smile they didn't see me as weird they just saw me as the funny guy they just saw me as a loud little bit outrageous bit zany and that person just it became a caricature of myself in the end because I was just a mask you know I just never stopped putting a mask on I was probably wearing more and more and more until the point that again got to that point of shutdown in 2018 and I and diagnosed depressed because I just couldn't mask anymore I just couldn't show the world and that was the start of when I started asking questions about myself but that yeah I kind of had to hit rock bottom before I started realizing that actually Rich you're, you're not being you here you're really not I think what you just talked about brings me back to my original question in a sense that like, you know, I think a lot of people would say, oh, well, masking just means adapting, right? But the difference is, is that the person who's masking is hiding parts and pieces and then feeling shame, right? Like you feel ashamed of those pieces because they're not quote normal. And that's a lot of heavy feelings to carry. That's a lot of emotion. It's funny, just on that, when people ask me why I got diagnosed at 36, 37, I wanted to understand the first 35, 36 years of my life so I can enjoy whatever I've got left on this planet. That's why I said I wanted to get diagnosed, because I want to know who I am, where I've come from, so I can enjoy the rest of my life and be that person. What do you do differently now than you did then? I'm a lot less apologetic than I probably ever used to be I think sorry used to be my favorite word going back to Aunt John there sorry seems to be the hardest word but sorry for me seemed to be the easiest word because I think I was always apologizing for my behavior I was always saying oh sorry oh sorry and so and I think I was saying that because I was thinking that other person felt you know I had to I, I had to apologize for who I was so an example I could probably give you Dawn is the beach, I can't stand the beach. I can't stand sand. I can't have sand between my toes, wet sand, anything. It, it drives me crazy. But I've got children who do. My youngest son, who's also autistic, loves being on the beach, loves it. As a dad, for years, well, I'm not going to tell my children they can't go on the beach because I don't like it. You do it, you go along with it. But now it's about having a conversation with my wife and saying, look, I'll come down to the beach. I'll probably spend 15, 20 minutes with you. I'll go away, go for a walk. I'll take myself off, go and do something else. And then I'll come back again after a while. So I don't get overwhelmed because beaches for me was sit there for an hour, get really frustrated, really overwhelmed. And then not ruin a family day, but just not be in a great place for the rest of that day because I was so overwhelmed by the situation. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. Do you think that learning and understanding about your autism diagnosis helped your marriage? Yes, 100%. 
there are again my my wife is a fantastic person she always tells me off because she says you talk about me too much on it but I have to say my wife not only is married to me we've got our son who's autistic she's a special education needs teacher she helps people with neurodivergence in schools she's an amazing person she was probably the first person that knew I was autistic before I did but obviously in, in that sense it's not something she was going to say oh you know but she she's she's understood it but she's also not apologetic back so she will still make sure where my autism needs support and where sometimes it's still being a husband and still saying the wrong thing and still being you know a little bit forgetful or say you know or, or you know we're still a husband and wife and that's first and foremost what we are I still say things that I probably shouldn't say at the right time and she still picks me up for things like that but she is very understanding and she comes from a great place and an understanding from autism so 100% 100% helped our marriage that's amazing if you I mean, you're raising an autistic child too, so you're sort of hitting this from both ends. What do you think parents need to hear? I think parents need to hear that focus on that little person as they're younger and as they grow older and become a big, they're still your babies, aren't they? Whatever age they are, they're still your children. You still love them. But look at that child. Look at that person in front of you. That is the only milestone you need. If your neighbor's kids are talking at two, yours is nonverbal till four six who cares who cares the neighbor's kid isn't your kid your kid is that person in front of you but enjoy every single milestone that matters to you so if you hear that first word at four five six that is your master that is them scoring the the goal in in football in soccer that is whatever you need that to be that is your milestone and build them from that because you will create such a great person if you focus on the positives of what's of that person in front of you and that starts as, we, we can all do that not even with our own kids just with the people in front of us just celebrate what they need to celebrate it's my thing yeah i totally agree with you i think so many times especially when our kids struggle we get caught up in what they can't do instead of celebrating what they can do and uh, that creates a lot of damage a lot of kind of negativity in them as they grow up if you're not careful Absolutely. My son was nonverbal till four. I verbalised quite young again. And I will say, obviously, I, just a quick bit on that. I don't blame my parents for missing anything. Obviously, I was born in the 80s. There wasn't a lot to go by in terms of looking for symptom signs, etc. I, again, would mask very young and I could do impressions and things. I was quite, you know, I've always been able to mimic. I've always been able to take things off. So I kind of hid that quite well, even from my parents. But what I kind of wanted to say with my son was even though he couldn't speak until he was four, at two years old, we had a little laptop, which was a little spelling thing, you know, like a speak and spell thing. And the one of the words was xylophone, X-Y-L-O-P-H-O-N-E. And he could spell it. Wow. And he got so good at it that he'd look at you because he could get it wrong and he'd look at you and press the wrong letter <laughs> at the end. Now, he couldn't speak, but I couldn't find you another two-year-old could spell to his level at that age. And that's why. That was his milestone. That was what we went with. Wow. Do you know what? But again, it's just finding his niche. He loves WWE now. So his niche is W. If we talk to him about WWE, oh, he'll talk for days. If he talks about things he's not interested in, it's not him. It's not for him. Tell me about your mission. You have kind of like a mission in life, I think. Yeah, I think, again, it started with Inside the Orange. And again, by all means, people can go and find that's Inside the Orange podcast. It was about understanding the person in front of you based on everyone. And obviously, as I uh, developed my own diagnosis, I then created Advocate to Autistic as a podcast, which is my new podcast, which talks about my journey, but talks directly to the 
autistic and the advocates of neurodivergency community, the people there. And the reason I'd want to do that is because I think we've got very much in our lives where we kind of, we've become a bit self-focused. We've come a bit place where it's about us. And I think sometimes we just need to look ahead and we need to look at the person that's in front of us and support them and help them through it, uh, through life, through understanding and anything. Now, with my mission for all of this is I'm not here to preach or to jump on people's mistakes if they miss terminology, if they misspeak, if they do anything. I would rather go to that person and say, look, this is why this happens. This is why this is why it is. Because I think the reason people don't talk about things that they don't know is because they're scared of getting it wrong and they're scared of saying the wrong thing. And if we go back at people who are trying to understand it with a baseball bat and go, right, we are going to understand, otherwise we're going to start swinging at you, they're going to be scared and they'll stop asking questions. And that defeats the point. What I want is to have a conversation where people feel comfortable to make a mistake but feel that they can go and say, I don't understand that. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's even more confusing, too, because I don't think there's a general consensus on a lot of things in the autistic community, right? Like there's a lot of discrepancies that you'll find. As long as that person comes from the kind place, isn't trolling, isn't doing something that is terrible and, you know, horrible to that person, give them that time. Give them the time to help them understand. And what you're doing on this podcast is is, is, is testament to that. And so I'd, I'd want to say thank you for that even. Well, I know that when I uh, was young, raising my son, you know, that was in the 90s, early 90s. And high-functioning autism, which isn't even the term anymore, but you know what I'm saying? Like, he was intelligent. And people were like, oh, well, he's just a bad kid, <laughs> basically. So there was no support. And I think even today, there's not a lot of support for parents and loved ones who want to be a support system. They want to connect with the people they love, but they don't know how. So if people want to be more supportive, how can they do that? The easiest thing they can do is listen to podcasts like yours and mine, (laughs) which do help, obviously, people. But I think, again, if autism is with someone or any neurodivergency is in your family, I'd say to all family members to encourage the conversation, to encourage questions to be asked. That starts as a family unit because that will help. Then, again, places that are trying to support, like our podcasts, are trying to help people understand and listen to to get an understanding from a parent perspective, from an autistic perspective, however that is. But then what I've tried to also do with my podcast is use the social media. So I've asked questions to listeners. I want people to get in touch with the show. I've tried to make it as interactive as possible with people because I think the easiest way to get people to ask more questions is to answer them kindly. Yeah, that's a great point. Come from a place. Yeah, it is true. I mean, if you bite somebody's head off when they ask you a question, they're not going to be too eager to ask you the next one. Absolutely. It's interesting because in terms of our children growing up, you know, we were the first people that said, no, they don't quite understand that. Can you try again? Now, as a community, we should be the people that appreciate that. So when people are asking questions or maybe getting something wrong, we educate rather than make them feel bad about asking. I think education comes to that. But yeah, all we're doing is we're reversing what we did for the first few years for our children. We're reversing that and going, actually, they need to you to understand them when they were younger now listen to this is how why they needed that understanding and it's reversing the roles isn't it Mm, i guess that's true yeah 
Yeah, every day, honestly, like nearly every day, I learn something new about my son and the way he perceives the world. And it's mind blowing, really, right? Because you assume that people interpret the world the way you do, or the way that most people do. And then when you realize, oh my gosh, that's not how you interpret it at all. It's really shocking, kind mm. of. That was going back to my wife quickly. That was something she said. I used to be a retail manager, and that's kind of when things kind of came to a head. And she said to me on so many occasions before, again, this is before an autism diagnosis. This was just her talking to her husband because I was interested at different levels or different things with people. I was more understand. I wanted to understand the person in front of me. I think that's always been my thing. I'm intrigued by whoever's in front of me that, you know, I love that. But she said to me, and I was saying, I was going home and saying, these people, these managers, they're not talking to this person, right? They're not understanding. They're not doing this. And she went, Richard, people don't think like you do. But she had to tell me that about 40,000 times. And in the end, it is a case of, do you know what she was telling me all this time? Yes, because I'm talking about it from how I perceive this well. Right. And I've just started listening. After a few years, I started listening to my wife, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> so what other kind of things do you talk about on your podcast? Um, so, again, when I was doing Inside the Orange, it was more about the person, obviously, having guests from every kind of background. I've had soccer players. I've had people in business i had someone from the special olympics who kind of didn't like how they were being treated i've had so many people and again because i like understanding people when i did advocate to autistic as i say it's still relatively new we're only about eight or nine episodes in the backbone of it is talking about things that i've kind of gone through so my kind of school years my well i'm starting to do stuff about friendship and about friend groups video games things like that but talking about it in terms of how i've kind of dealt with or how i've kind of interpreted things and friendship and things i've talked about again stimming i've talked about well i've talked about what have i talked about so far behaviors behavior change has been made autistic i've talked about the autism diagnosis process in the uk which at the moment i'm not sure what it's like in the us but the diagnosis process in the uk is two years plus it's quite a long waiting game. I'm not sure what it's like for yourselves yeah. in the US at the moment. In the US, it's pretty difficult to even access it because the clinicians who do it are few and far between. And then trying to get your insurance company to pay for it is pretty awful. And mm. uh, it's thousands of dollars. I can understand that. Obviously, in the UK, we've got the NHS, so it's more the weight mm. is the issue. Obviously, we, but again, it has changed. But I'm not going to stop talking. I'm kind of going to do the podcast episodes solo I do but then I'm also going to have people on because I want people to talk about their experiences with it as well because I think you know even if for yourself you know you're going to have different experiences as a parent to someone with autism than I have had with my son and with myself you know you're going to and you're going to speak to people and I, I would love to get you on my podcast so I want you to do a, a swap and get That'd you to come great. speak on mine but you'll speak to people who will connect with you. So I just want to kind of use the podcast as, as a community board to say, look, come and talk, come and share experiences and just help someone else. Yeah, that's the goal of mine too, to create a community because people feel very alone sometimes. They do. And I think people feel that they're the only one until they start hearing yeah. something else. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm in the field, right? Like I do psychiatry for a living. So I meet a lot of autistic people, but almost all of them that I talk to, they don't have any autistic community that they can connect with, you know, and they're very lonely. They're struggling. No, absolutely. You know, again, that's a wish. That is a goal. It's just talk about it. But again, invite the people in 
you don't have to have an autism diagnosis to listen to my podcast, you know, but again, if you're a loved one of someone who has it or, or, or is living with any kind of neurodivergency, just, you know, it is about building that. And again, you know, credit to your podcast and I'm so thankful for being a guest on it and having this chat. It's brilliant. Thank you so much. I know that everything that you shared today is deeply personal and, and I think it takes a lot of courage to do that in a public arena like this do you know what firstly thank you for saying that i do appreciate that but like i said to you i spent probably 30 odd years of dishonesty behind the masks and actually i want to share some good with the reality and again you know i don't expect people to share everything with me on, on the podcast but that's me i'm, I'm trying to be late as bare as i can for myself to say look you guys you're not alone you know i just want to keep helping and supporting the community so yeah you're amazing so thank you thank you so much for everything you do you're you're an awesome human i think oh thank you very much that's really kind thanks for coming on the show today thank you thanks so much for hanging out with me today i hope you know that i appreciate you spending your time here because i know there's a lot of other places that you could be quick shout out to my editor extraordinaire and co-producer sam eisenbaum if you found value in this podcast, it would mean so much to me if you could just rate and review it on your podcast platform. Now get out there, keep learning and growing so that you can be the best version of yourself as you support the people you love. That's what this podcast is all about. <music>